You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So Grant Stewart is this year's Mr. Irrelevant. That's what they unceremoniously called the last player taken in the draft this time by the Buccaneers. But the Houston linebacker couldn't be more relevant to his family and his community. His mom was in the sex industry. His dad spent time in jail. Stewart had to take care of his siblings. And what happened on draft day? Well, it's emblematic of his life. We'll talk about a great story and be joined by Joy Knight of the Tampa Bay Times here in just a minute. What does Albert Pujols' career look like now? The Angels designated him for assignment on Thursday. And what is the expiration date on the Houston Astros saying they're being treated unfairly by fans of opposing teams. We're supposed to just get over it. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, we'll start with baseball. Um, and as we're taping this podcast, we don't know if, for example, uh, Pujols uh, will be traded or not. But the Angels designated him for assignment. I thought it was curious that he wasn't in the lineup against a couple of uh, left-handers at the race through at the Angels, and he's not having a good year. I haven't seen him enough to evaluate just how bad he's playing. He's 41 years old, you know. And I remember when they signed him to this unbelievable contract in what was considered middle age for a player at the time, I said there was no way that he could be productive and that he would ever, you know, live up to this amount of money. To be honest with you, he, he's managed to do his share and then some, I think. He lasted longer than I thought. I mean, the last few years have been pretty rough, and you know the hard yeah. part. The hard part for the Angels is he, he really can't play the field anymore. I mean, he, he's came in a right. couple games this week against the Rays, and you saw how slow and just immobile he is. Uh, he played a little bit of third base, played first base. Um, you know, he's really just a DH at this point. But they have Shohei Otani, who they want a yes. DH. So then how do you get his bat in the lineup? They now have a first baseman in Walsh who's better than, than Albert Pools. I mean, the A's, the Angels probably would have done this a year or two ago, except for the fact they didn't have another first baseman that was better or DH. Mm-hmm. And, and now they mm-hmm. kind of starting to have a lineup that they've got players that are better than Pujols. And they're using so many pitchers. They only have a three-man bench. So when you have a guy like Pujols who really you don't want playing the field, it makes it right. really hard to operate. Um yeah. And, and you know, one of the greatest hitters of all time. Oh yeah, um, incredible career. But, but when you sign a thirty-year-old or thirty-one, whatever it was, when he signed a ten-year, two hundred forty million dollar deal, you know, those last few years you might just be writing off. I mean, you know, you just basically sure. take the charge for two forty in your accounting now, and and however long it lasts, great. That's what it took to get him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but and no shame in, in what you know he's doing now. I mean, he's what forty-one, I think it is. 41 years old, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and if, so he doesn't move as well as he used to. Who did, does at 41 outside of Tom Brady? Uh, although he never moved well in the first place, so maybe that's the secret to Tom Brady. Um, right. Set the bar low. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's it's a shame to, you know, it, it, you hate to see these guys who are so great in their careers that way. or and, and he may get picked up by somebody else. I mean, it's possible the White Sox could sign him. 
Um, they just Lewis Robert just got hurt uh, there, so they kind of a bat. It's old manager Tony Larusa's there, so it's possible someone either trades for him or you know picks him up once he you know clears waivers and, and all that stuff. But um, you know the way it ended in Anaheim shouldn't take away from his career because it's phenomenal. Uh, he's batting under two hundred. He's got five home runs. I th- think ten or eleven or twelve RBI, something like that. But if you saw him, uh, there was a play that he did play in this series that I remember where he attempted to tag up on a uh, a fly ball that was, <laughs> I think, deep, deep to left field or somewhere. And he didn't really get a great start. He sort of slowed up a little bit, and then he tried to he tried to go for a little acceleration that just wasn't there. It mm-hmm. looked re- it looked like me running to second. It was really bad. Um, so, yeah, Albert Pujols, uh, we'll see if uh, – if somebody else picks him up or not, the other the other baseball story that uh, that that keeps having legs, and I don't know when it will stop, are the Houston Astros, who are now like playing the victim. Now they they want everyone to <laughs> shut up already, uh, despite their two years of cheating and and one uh, at least one World Series title as a result of it. Uh, they got the proverbial slap on the wrist, if you will, by uh, by the commissioner of baseball. Um, maybe some man- manager lost his job and and some others, but. At the end of the day, there, there's not an entire team of uh, you know of offenders, but but the main ones are there, and they went to New York, where Yankee fan can be kind of nasty. What I would say is, hey Astros, be glad you don't have full stadiums for the last two seasons. I mean, their timing couldn't have been better for them, and yet everywhere they go, it's like Dusty Baker has to have a press conference telling everybody how unfair they're being treated. Well, a couple things. One. This is your first time into these stadiums with fans in the stands since you got busted for this. Right. So because you go to New York for the first time, because you got booed in two other stadiums, you think it's the fans should stop booing you? That's a little ridiculous. And you're only bringing more booze on you when you do this. Two, yeah. so the boos rain down on you in New York, and you're upset. The Rays had baseballs raining down on them from the stands <laughs> in New York. That's right. I'll take the What's booze worse? any day, first of all. Yeah, man. <laughs> um. But and Dusty Baker's been playing this card for a while of you know get over it. Not one player got punished for cheating and stealing a World Series. Not That's right. one player. Now the general manager did, the manager did, mm-hmm. but not one of those players did. And the fans are upset, and and particularly fans in Tampa, New York, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, Los Angeles, who got beat by those yeah. Astros teams. You know they right. should they should be really ticked. And, and and I don't blame the fans. And if you can't take a few boos in the stadiums, then what are you doing playing baseball? Well, what they also can't take, uh, perhaps at least in the case of Jose Altuve, who was on a Hall of Fame arc, um, is uh, maybe not knowing what's coming because I think uh, since this Scandor outbreak, like he's batting about 80 points lower than his career hmm. average. So. When you don't know what pitch is coming. It's amazing. Yeah. You don't bat as well. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure there's no correlation whatsoever, but – um, certainly is showing up in the box score. So, yeah, that's uh, that was kind of interesting for sure. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, one of the most, 
interesting draft picks I can remember as far as his personal story is Grant Stewart from the University of Houston. The last pick in the NFL draft, as I mentioned earlier, they call Mr. Irrelevant. They actually have a celebration somewhere in California, I guess, uh, for that for that player. But Joey wrote uh, Joey Knight wrote a, an unbelievable story in the Tampa Bay Times that you can read on Sunday. You can read it on TampaBay.com now. And Joey joins us. Joey, I mean, when I heard this story the first time, I couldn't believe it. When I when I when I read what you wrote and and the people you were able to get to talk about Grant and you talked to Grant about his story, I mean, it has everything, right? Um, and and the kid the kid is, as you say very succinctly, he he is anything but irrelevant. He has been through a, a lot, continues to go through a lot. Let's just start with the fact that. Um, this is not a guy of privilege, right? This is somebody who has who has had a, as you say, a hard scrabble life. No question, Rick. And I'm like you. The more I dug into this story, the more amazed I got. I mean, we spoke to him Saturday immediately after the draft. He was made made available on to us on a Zoom call, and he just got in. You know, he just scratched the surface of how difficult his upbringing was. And mm-hmm. the more people I spoke to, the more I dug. It, it just, you know, hard scrabble is probably too weak a word to describe what he came from. Uh, his father, whom he very politely declined to mention by name, but he did say his father's been in prison. He's no longer in prison, but he but he has long time in prison. And his mother, uh, which he has made very clear in the past. It, formerly worked in the sex industry and is um, still battling with her addictions. And of course, what really just blew me away is during the course of our phone conversation Tuesday, uh, and the kid volunteered this, he said, you know, my mom got arrested, you know, just a couple hours after I got drafted. Um, And I looked it up and sure enough, she did. So here's a woman who's battling, still battling some of her own demons and and Grant has four younger siblings, so he was literally in a position. And I wrote this in, in my story. It's on TampaBay.com right now. Long, long before he was Mr. Irrelevant, he was Mr. Mom because he had to be. Mm. He was the only, he was the, he was the, by age, you know, by, uh, you know, chronology. He, he had to kind of take ownership of the home and see that his younger siblings got fed or, you know, had milk in the refrigerator and, Things of that nature. He told me, you know, a couple of times he missed the bus. Uh, there was nobody to take him. So he kind of just basically swiped his grandmother's car and drove himself to school at age 11 or 12. And it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. And you think these things, Rick, when, when you write these things, you think, OK, maybe he's exaggerating. Maybe this is a little bit of hyperbole. Uh, the people I've talked to said, no, this kid really kind of uh, kind of came from came from nothing um, and, you know, made himself into an NFL prospect. It's, it's, it's really kind of amazing. And we try, you know, we as reporters have to be objective, but how can you not root for somebody who's come from this kind of upbringing to make the roster? How can you not root for that to happen, you know, with the Buccaneers? It's a wonderfully written story. You started um, with what we all witnessed during his Zoom call. The Bucks, uh, so you know the procedure, they they will draft a player, and then sometime shortly thereafter in the virtual world that we all live in, um, 
typically we would be at, at the Bucks facility and they would get the guy um, on camera over there or they would fly him in, you know, the next day, depending on when they were drafted. But in this case, um, we got Grant on a Zoom call. It was the end of the draft. And while he's talking to us, describe the scene that is occurring. Now, he's at his house, and there's a good number of people there, including, and, and maybe maybe one of the few times in his life this was the case, both his father and his mother are in the house. Yeah, he said that is one of the few times that they've had that kind of family moment together during his childhood. And he said, I, I give them credit, you know, they there may have been, you know, a few Christmases when we were together, you know, a football game or two where we were all together. But I had that moment with them draft night. They were there. And yes, he was speaking to us on the Zoom call in one of the old school creamsicle bucko Bruce Butts hats. <laughs> and that's that's a whole different story. Yeah, um, he, he's a hat guy. His dad's a hat guy. And his dad was just looking for something to wear on draft night. And he just came across that. It's not like he, you know, he had this premonition that the Bucks were going to draft his son. He was just looking for a hat to wear, and he found it and gave it to Grant. So, you know, the, on draft night, Grant Stewart is wearing an old school Bucks hat. But anyway, he's talking to us with that Bucks hat on during the course of the Zoom. And this woman, you know, looks to be about around forty-ish, mm-hmm. walks in, dark tank top, blonde hair, and she just says, you know, kind of a raspy voice. She said hello and. Grant chuckles and goes, hey, that, that's my mom. And she stands there for two or three minutes while uh, while he's talking to us. She doesn't say another word. She's just standing there, and he continues to speak with us. And then I think her phone goes off, and she walks off camera, and we don't see her mm-hmm. again, and we complete the interview with Grant. So that's how that goes. And a couple of days later, you know, I wanted to explore this story more. I wanted to write more about this kid after we learned on the surface from our Zoom call with him. I thought it was fascinating. Right. So the Bucks were nice enough to set me up on the phone with him. And during the course of our conversation, he says, yeah, you know, just for you to know what I'm dealing with. My mom, my mom was arrested shortly after the draft. And um, I, I looked it up and, and sure enough, that happened. I think it was something involving the unauthorized use of a vehicle and a possession of a controlled substance. It was the official titles I saw on, on the charges. So, um, that that's what he's dealing with. And I said, that's just, a, that's an incredible metaphor for this kid's yeah. life. Parents popping in and out of the picture, like we saw when we were interviewing him and, um, you know, just going on and talking to other people. That's how it was. You know, Grant is very heavily involved with this nonprofit faith-based program based in Houston called Heels to Halos. And it was founded by a former strip club dancer who's kind of turned her life over to Christianity and her whole mission is to try to reach and rescue women from this strip club and the sex trafficking industry. And she told me one of her former coworkers used to be Grant Stewart's mother. So it, it just got more and more incredible as I dove into it. But this kid is, is the real deal. And Jason Light said something interesting, you know, and I will, uh, I'll try to call up his exact quote. Yeah, he said, guys that can get through tough times and adversity, that's a big box check for us. And he said, we definitely think that helps them in their chances of making our football team. So you got a guy who's been through tough times and adversity. Grant Stewart sure sure meets that prerequisite. 
Yeah, with Flying Colors. You talked to uh, Megan McCallum is her name, and she's the one that uh, was the founder of Heels for Halos. Um, And as you mentioned, they rescue women from the sex industry. Grant um, pledged money uh, to raise funds uh, for each repetition he did uh, in the bench press. They bench pressed 225 pounds. You try to see how many times you can do it. He did 28, which I can tell you is – you know, offensive lineman territory. I mean, that is not right. your your typical linebacker. Uh, anything that approaches thirty is remarkable um, for anyone. So he's a very strong guy. He raised fifty three hundred dollars for that Houston uh, based organization. You report, um, and you know, listen. There, there's a lot of guys that that grow up with varying varying. That's the great thing about the NFL, right? You have all walks of life. You have all races and, and, and creeds and economic situations and all of that. But as I talk to John Spitek and Jason Light, I think what they have done um, that, quite frankly, is, you know, kind of turned the fortunes of their franchise is, you know, you can find good players, right? It's, it's easy to watch tape and say this guy can play. But when you get to the NFL, like life, there's an awful lot of adversity that comes with that with that responsibility, you know, and whether it's injury, whether it's learning how to handle finances, whether it's being away from home and away from family, you know, how independent you are can eat you alive. I mean, I can remember when Ronald Jones, um, who went to USC and was from Texas, came to Tampa Bay. He was all all of about 20 years old, turned 21, I think, shortly thereafter. He wasn't ready for a professional life. He wasn't ready to be away from people. He wasn't um, you know, all of a sudden you walk into a training camp and you've got guys that have played as long as Tom Brady, 21 years, and, and many much less, obviously, but they've got wives and mortgages and children and, and you know, they're, they're grown-ass men and you're right out of college. So right. there, can be, there can be quite a, quite a culture shock just in and of itself, and then you find out shortly thereafter how cutthroat and competitive it is just to get one of the top 61 spots, forget about, 53 you want to make you want to make the uh the practice squad at least but i think you know if you look at their draft picks this year joey and and led by uh stewart's story there's a lot of guys that that have dealt with adversity there's a lot of guys that have emerged as captains of their team um i think stewart was a real leader of that houston team there's no question about that he was a team captain. K.J. Britt from Auburn, the linebacker from Auburn, was a team captain. Robert Hainsley from Notre Dame. I'm not sure if Trask was a captain of Florida, but he may as well have been. If you, He's you know a quarterback, yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, you know, they, they kind of put a premium on, on that. And, you know, you talk about guys who just aren't going to flinch when things go, go wrong, you know, Obviously, Grant Stewart's going to fit in that category. Jalen Darden has had some hardships. I think he's yes. he's lost some some people in his life who who he was close to. So you've got some guys, you know, the best way I can describe it, who are not going to flinch because adversity, as you mentioned, is invariably going to come at this level, especially when you're a young guy just trying to find a job on a on a roster. Um, you know. Things are gonna things are gonna come at Grant Stewart pretty fast and furiously. He's gonna get knocked down, but he's not gonna flinch. And and I'll tell you this: as much as he is has flourished in, in Houston, and he he was raised in a suburb north of Houston in Conroe, Texas. It's about forty five minutes north of, of Houston, from what I gather. 
Um, as much as he's done for that community, not only working with Heels to Halos, but he is he's had other kind of fundraising drives like school supply drives in his in his native Conroe, Texas. And he helped uh, with, a, you know, helped stock a food bank in Houston. He has done those type of things and he's become an outstanding citizen just in the Houston area community. I think it will be a good good for him to get out of that environment for a little while and you yeah. know just come and try to try to make his bones in Tampa Bay because obviously there are some there are some negative factors there as well and clearly he has overcome them but sometimes guys like that also could could use a change of scenery and I'm not going to talk for Grant Stewart but I I just gather that it may be good for him just to get out you know into another time zone in another city and try to try to make it on his own. He's getting married. He told me he's getting married in July. He's uh, he's engaged to a University of Houston cheerleader who he's been with for some time, and they're getting married in July. So I think this fresh start is wonderful for him. And, and you know, for guys who have just come up from that bleak, hard scrabble background, it, it can rejuvenate them. And I think this could also rejuvenate Grant Stewart. What's remarkable is that you think about, you mentioned, you know, when he was time he was 11, he was actually trying to drive a car, uh, whether mm-hmm. it was to get groceries or those kinds of things. And, 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 you know, he made it as an athlete, even in high school. You know how hard it is sometimes just to be a high school student and make it to these extracurricular activities. Um, but with all that was on his mind, and all that he had to deal with, I guess the worst thing you could say about him is that sometimes he might run a little bit late here and there um, for various things, whether it was classes or practice. But, I mean, give the kid a break. And and, yeah. and then, um, you know, I guess because of all that he had to think about, Joey, um, it, it, it was hard for him to compartmentalize everything. I mean, he had a lot on his plate, so he was more of an instinctive see ball hit hit guy you know a player than than one that really got too deep into the x's and o's of things yeah and that at houston from what i gathered in my conversation with him that really started to, to take effect at the university of houston where he evolved from a special teams guy to a nickelback to a linebacker you know mm-hmm. the game started slowing down for him his mind started slowing down as you mentioned and he really became an instinctive player but I was talking to uh, his secondary coach, his co-defensive coordinator at Oak Ridge High School in Conroe, uh, where he went. And he said, hey, Grant was a cerebral guy from the beginning. He, he, uh, he told me about a playoff game one time where they had Grant at free safety. This, de- this defensive staff felt, hey, you put your best athlete at free safety. So they put Grant there. And they were warning him before a playoff game, hey, this quarterback, when he rolls out, he's going to fling it. You just got to watch for that. And he's probably going to fling a post. And the first time Grant kind of bit on it and got beat and he came back to the sideline and said, coach, that'll never happen again. I know what you're talking about. And the next time that kid rolled out and had his eyes kind of toward the post and Grant just started backpedaling and the kid flung it and Grant intercepted it. So um, Mm. this coach told me his name is Danny Barber. He said nobody spent more time in the film room than Grant. And in terms of just, you know, being a loyal, dependable guy, he said, you know, for all he went through, he said, I don't recall Grant ever missing a practice or a summer workout. And he said, you know, there may have been times we had to go pick him up, 
but that's that's pretty normal for at the high school level you know coaches give kids rides to, yeah all, all the time all the time you know that's that's par for the course but you know he said he, he was just a, a very dependable and a very smart football player I think what was happening with Houston is just you know, as you get to college in classes and he's still dealing, you know, with, with his parents and, and the demons that they're battling and he's worried about his siblings and he's got a girlfriend, you know, his, his mind just started to get a little convoluted. And he credits the clearing of his mind with just really recommitting himself to his Christian faith. He said that had a big part of it. He said he, a, a great kind of peace overcame him when he, when he made that decision in his life. And, you know, again, just just his his mind for the game, just the kind of the film rat that he is, that also contributed to it too. And it, and you saw in the last couple of years at Houston, the game really slowed down for him, and he became a force of nature right there in the middle for the Cougars. On Sunday, September twenty second, two thousand and nineteen, he says he devoted himself fully to Christianity. He was raised sort of in the church, sang in the choir, right. all of that, uh, but really really committed. Uh, really committed to Christ. And he said, um, and ever since then, God has really taken care of him. In fact, that's shortly after he met his Houston uh, cheerleader girlfriend. Um, I believe you write that six days later, he had a team high 11 tackles in a route over North Texas and snapped the two game skid. So things went well and have gone well uh, for him. Um, And yet he had to wait a long time to be drafted and there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, that, that weight can be eternal. I think he told us that, uh, you know, he felt like that was probably going to be it, that he was going to have to start dealing with teams calling to right. get him signed as a, as a, uh, as, as an undrafted free agent. Cause that's what happens when the, even before the draft ends, teams start calling guys they believe aren't going to be drafted. Um, and it becomes a competition to see, you know, you get the best players that because uh, there's only seven rounds. Back in the day, there were there were ten, eleven, twelve rounds. Brad right. Johnson was a tenth round pick, for example. He would not have been drafted either. Had a pretty good career, won a Super Bowl. So, you know, all of that, um, all of that was important. Nothing could be more important than him right now, though, with all that he has on his plate, than to make this football team. And and the fact is. This is a veteran team with 22 returning starters, with an awful lot of veteran backups, with an entirely new draft class, and then a bunch of undrafted free agents they have signed. Um, and yet, there seems to be a real emphasis. Obviously, when you come to the NFL, unless you're Mike Evans or, um, you know, I'm trying to think of somebody, uh, you know, Jameis Winston, unless you're somebody who already knows what role they're going to have when they get there you're going to have to play special teams. And that's that's sort of where he will um, make his bones. But um, he, he's talked about bringing his, his younger brother with him to Tampa. Um, right. And making this team will, in effect, change his life. Obviously, he's got you know the foundation to do whatever he wants to beyond football. But Jason Light made an unbelievable comparison um, to, to Grant. And it was another undersized linebacker that that played for the Miami Dolphins, um, Larry Izzo. And I mean, Larry when we talk Izzo. about Larry Izzo now, that's 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 heady comparison right there. No question. And first of all, Grant is willing is embracing that he, he was a special teams kamikaze initially yeah. in Houston, and he understands yeah. that's what he's going to have to do to make this football team. So he 
he embraces it and I, he seems to understand that you can come in and you can make a fine living just mm -hmm. making that your niche. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I heard the same thing you did. You, you know, Jason Light talking about Larry Izzo. When, you know, when Jason was with the Dolphins, they signed him out of Rice, which isn't terribly far from Houston. And That's right. He was an under, undersized linebacker, but he played with just tremendous heart and, and passion for the game. And, you know, obviously, you know, he had, he had an outstanding career. And he kind of, you know, he says, you know, we're not kicking Grant to the curb. But, you know, when the defense goes out on the field, he's going to line up on the inside in that 3-4 and, you know, compete for a spot on the depth chart on the inside. But, you know, he, our, our, he said our, our short-term immediate vision for him is, to, is for special teams. You know, just somebody who can go down there and just blow up a block and flatten somebody. Simple as that. And this guy seems wired to do that. He's also, he's also very fast and very tough. Something that I, I wanted to get more into in my story, Rick, but I wasn't able to. This guy was was on the leg of a four by 400 meter state championship relay team at Oak Ridge high in and, Texas. Think about that. I mean, there, how many yeah. great athletes are they to run the four by 400, right? Four by 400, a linebacker running the four by 400. And this coach told me in one of his meets, it obviously it was very close. This kid dove across the finish line. Now you're talking, <laughs> I don't know if it was a rubberized surface or if it was cinder block or what, but it was hard. I'm sure if they're running track and he dove across the finish line just so his team could win the race. The coach said he's the toughest kid I've ever seen in my life. So you've got a kid with that kind of mentality coming to try to win a job playing special teams for the Bucks, And that's exactly the type of mentality and approach you got to have. It's an unbelievable story. You'll recognize him with his uh, his big mane of hair as well um, that he's proud of and that he'll be running uh, with tucked under his helmet uh, when he does get a chance to play for the Buccaneers. Check it out, the Tampa Bay Times. One, one of the best stories, we Joey really did a great job with this um, in, in, in a long time, I can tell you that. There's another race. Speaking of races, the Gasparilla Distance Classic, you're, you're going to be involved in the coverage of that, I guess, at some level. What? What kind of races are we expecting in these uh, somewhat COVID-separated days? Um, what does that look like? <laughs> well, I guess the best way to describe it, Rick, is is virtual. It's scaled down. Obviously, they had to limit the registration because we're in still in the, the waning stages of this pandemic. And so you're not going to have a traditional start and you know starting time where everybody lines up at the start and there's a shotgun start that's not going to happen they are roping off bayshore boulevard the normal course for the gasparilla for the for the 5k and the 8k and the 15k the normal course that people would run they're roping that off from 5 a.m to almost noon saturday and sunday and people who have signed up for the gasparilla and there's a lot fewer registrants this year again i as I indicated, they had to uh, they had to really scale back the the turnout and the number of registrants. But there's going to be a few thousand, and those people who have signed up are free to go out there during those days, Saturday and Sunday, from five to eleven forty-five, and you can run the course virtually. You won't be timed. There won't be any electronic timing, but you can time yourself and download your time onto the wow. Gasparilla website. So. There's still going to be the, the Gasparilla Distance Classic is just not going to have all the bells and whistles. You're not going to have, um, you know, people 
handing out cups of water. Runners are responsible for their own hydration. You're not going to have the DJs. You're not going to have the music along the course and people handing out donuts and stuff like that. And a bleacher of people watching at the end and, you know, all the pageantry at the finish line, but they're going to have a race and they're going to have a medical staff from Tampa general there with a medical tent in case something goes wrong. Cause it's going to be kind of hot. It's just going to be a, a scaled down version this year, just out of necessity. And obviously the hope we all have is that next February, we can go back to the good old Gasparilla distance classic with 10 million people, you know, in downtown Tampa running along Bay shore. Amen. Before that, you get to uh, go down and attend uh, Dickie V's uh, gala. Um, every year he does this thing to raise money for pediatric cancer. And uh, who are his? He normally has some guys that he's honoring uh, in, uh, in some form or fashion. So who are the guests of honor in this one? Do you know? The guests of honor are uh, Dan Mullen, um, Muffet mm-hmm. McGraw, the legendary women's basketball coach yeah, at Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Um, and Chris Mortensen, Mort, who is a throat cancer survivor. He's getting the, the John Saunders yeah. Courage Award. Um, so those are some wow. of the honorees. Uh, other dignitaries, a bunch of Buccaneer people with Buccaneers ties, Bruce Arians, Jason Light, Mike mm-hmm. Allstott, Jimmy Giles, I think is going to be there. Kyle Trask, according to Dickie V. Kyle Trask is going to wow. be down there. So a lot of people from USF. So a lot of sports dignitaries and I can assure you uh, of a couple of things. Um, a lot of money will be raised for a very, very good cause, pediatric cancer research. That's one thing I can guarantee you. The other thing I can guarantee you, Dickie V will be moved to tears because he <laughs> always is. He gets yeah. up there and he starts, he introduces some of his special guests who are pediatric cancer patients, and he knows their backstory front to back. This is not an act. He he knows these kids. He has a relationship with them, and he brings them up, and he talks about each and every one of them. And by the end of the night, we, you know, when he introduces these kids and talks about them and shares how special, you know, just this fight against cancer is, you know, he he has moved to tears, and he will openly weep. And it's a very poignant, uh, very special night. His goal is to raise $5 million, and uh, I think he's going to do it. It's just that kind of a special atmosphere and event you know when you're talking about a cause like that he does an unbelievable job the passion is real and the stories are um very very inspirational as well joy knight check him out in the tampa bay times on tampabay.com terrific stuff joy thanks buddy thank you rick appreciate it all right my thanks to joey the lightning by the way host dallas tonight see if they can continue their mastery of the stars and then it's Florida on uh, on Saturday, Saturday and, and then Monday, it. and then the regular season's over. Then they're so done. Yeah, they're, they're the final three finished. games, and then I think they're going to have maybe some break uh, as Canada wraps up their their season. So up Elliot there, so. Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet is usually pretty plugged in, uh, saying that that sounds like the playoffs are going to start next weekend, the fifteenth and sixteenth. Okay, so that would be if they started on the fifteenth for the Lightning, give them four days off in between, which is about typical. Normally, the regular season ends on a Saturday. And then okay. you, the playoffs start that Wednesday or Thursday for teams, depending on, you know, they, some teams start Wednesday, some start Thursday. So that's about a typical rest. Uh, the Lightning probably would prefer a little more to help for Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov and Jan Ruda to return from injury. But, you know, four days is better than, say, one or two. So, Yeah, no, it should be good. And then the Rays continue their series on the West Coast uh, against the Oakland A's. 
The Bucks mini camp, we have dates for that. That is now going to be next Friday and Saturday. Um, they will have some walkthroughs. We'll have some Zoom calls with some of the draft picks and the free agents that they have signed. Um, they will have practice uh, beginning at one thirty. It is not open to the public, so stop asking me. No, I'll be there. Um, I'll let you know what's going on with Kyle Trask. Will be the, you know, the big uh, zinger of the football since it's rookies only. So we'll have all that coverage for you uh, next weekend as well, as well as next Wednesday, the NFL schedule comes out. When, when, <laughs> when? That's right. Seventeen and zero, man. And not- the big, the big mystery is who's the opener. The Bucks will likely open the entire NFL season on a Thursday night before week one or before week one of the NFL season. They're going to open in uh, Philadelphia, correct? <laughs> That's what they did last time. Oh, man. John was so – he's still mad about that. So that's what they did last time. So this time um, they will be, we hope, uh, at least I do because I don't want to travel, at home. And the the candidates are let's, – let's just, I would say, eliminate the division teams because they typically no, don't do that for the – they've done it for regular season openers. In fact, the Bucks have played New Orleans the last two years in the season opener. But for, for a national TV game, they try, I think, you know, to kick off the NFL season, I think they try to avoid – um, division games, um, and so if you just look at who their home opponents are, they they play the AFC East. They have the Dolphins uh, that come here. They play some uh, NFC East teams. The Dallas Cowboys come here um, as a quirk of finishing second in their division. The Chicago Bears come here, and oh yeah, because it's the AFC East, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. That's my favorite. I think. I think it's going to be Bills, the the uh, AFC East uh, champion and, and the AFC um, uh, AFC title game loser, of course, to Kansas City last year. Josh Allen against Tom. I think that would be to me that would be a great great opener for the season. That would be the best football matchup. But the NFL typically goes within the same conference for those openers. They don't typically cross conference for the opener. That's true. So That's true as well. I think it's going to be the Cowboys. And I think the Bears are the second choice, and Buffalo would be third. Okay. By the NFL, I, th- I think for the television matchup and for star power and, and, and of brand names, the Cowboys versus the Bucks, Cowboys versus Tom Brady. Um, I really believe. I, I think. Dak Prescott, I think that's in, in Dallas market compared to the Buffalo market. I think it'll end up being Dallas, and, and mm. the second choice would be Chicago because it's a big market and big team name. Does all good. We'll know. We'll know by Wednesday if it doesn't leak out before. Before that, according to my sources, it could leak out before that. You want Andy Dalton versus Tom Brady for the opener, right? Oof, woof. <laughs> well, w- what if it was Justin Fields? It, it could be Justin Fields, but they they, they keep saying uh, Andy Dalton's QB one. But yeah, we'll see about that. I don't think. Listen, I don't think Andy Dalton can hold him off. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I think they're going to see Justin Fields run and make plays, throw and make plays, and I think they're just going to say, you know what? Let's just put him in there. Everybody knows he's the best quarterback we have. Let's go for it. But I might be wrong. We'll see. And finally, have a very happy Mother's Day. Take care of mom, your wife, anyone that uh, that has meant so much to you and still does over the years. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.